I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, hello. How are you doing there? Welcome back for episode 16 of Falling Forward with Dan Lassac. Um I've got quite a tickle in my throat today, so... I'll try to ramble less and get you to the meat of the podcast a little quicker than I usually do. This week's guest is Jake Hicks. He's a photographer and my oldest, longest, bestest friend. Uh, We've known each other a good 20 years. He's built quite a niche for himself as a photographer. High-colour editorial photography, which we'll explain more at some point during the podcast. It's definitely a different one this time because we've known each other so long. So there are points where I think we forget to say things and then we have to loop back round because we both know that each other knows what the other one knows or thinks they know they know that the other person knows that they know. We had to make sure to bring you, the audience, along with us. Um, but yeah, it was a lovely chat. And it it was funny, actually, because for the amount of time we spend talking to each other in any given week, me being aware that you were listening, listeners, meant that I asked different questions to what I would normally expect. And, And I swore less. So it was a very different experience all around. I feel I know Jake better for this hour we spent together. If you want to check out Jake's work, uh, jakehicksphotography.com or search Jake Hicks Photography on the old Facebook. Yeah, he still uses Facebook. What an idiot. Um, everything we talk about in this in this uh, episode is, is covered in one of those two spots. But definitely check out the Technique Tuesdays. You're going to hear about that in a minute. Uh, definitely check out his workshops. All that shenanigans. Oh, I'm back to saying shenanigans again. I think I managed to go an episode without saying shenanigans. Now I'm saying shenanigans multiple times, you know. Uh, I think maybe I missed it. Maybe I missed it, listeners. Also, thank you everyone who, like, retweets and, and pushes this to their friends. Thank you for pimping my pod to, to other humans. It genuinely helps. It's one of those things. There are a lot of podcasts in the world you know and uh getting it in front of new ears 
eventually gets it in front of more new ears and more new ears and more new ears until basically we rule the world. If each one of you told five people, I think, and then they told five people, and then each of those five people told five people, we will have told the entire world in just 13 steps. So, um, you know, that should be your goal, you know? There should be an Indonesian man, hopefully by this time next week, listening to the pod going, what is this rubbish? Who's this weird Englishman talking crap to me? Um, But yeah, it means a lot. Also, Patreons, thank you guys particularly. Podcast doesn't exist without you. You fully fund all the travel and all that. Although I didn't have to travel for this one. Jake came around my house. He literally lives two streets over. So uh, it's it's a harder sell this week, trying to convince you to check out patreon.com forward slash Dan Lassac. But you should, you know, you should. I am genuinely enjoying putting the podcast together. And like from the selfish reasons of getting to talk to other creators and uh, steal ideas from them. (laughs) But also for this idea that Jake's pretty well known within photography. But there's a lot of people I think would appreciate the work he does who aren't photographers. And getting that opportunity to put all the guests in front of new eyes and ears feels actually pretty cool you know the amount of you that have talked about picking up Danny Wallace's books after last week's episode was really surprising to me and now obviously that's all because he's a delightful human but it feels good nonetheless so yeah I hope you enjoy this episode um all music danlasack.bandcamp.com it'll be on one of those albums on there And thank you all in advance for listening, engaging, enjoying, subscribing. You should be subscribing, uh, reviewing, reviewing, relaxing. Thank you in advance for relaxing. Yeah, enjoy. This was not rambly at all. Wait, wait, I forgot. I was going to plug Pod Bible Podcast, a podcast put together by Stu from Off the Beaten Track, uh, Adam from Pod Bible Magazine. And uh, a guy called, what was his name? Um, Scroobius Pip or something? I don't know. I've never heard of him. Uh, but yeah, it's a snackable podcast about podcasts. Just have a little search. You're already in a podcast app. Just search Pod Bible. Anyway, on with the show. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Job done. We, um, we uh, talked uh, all of this in your kitchen the other day, and it was a good conversation. Now I can't remember anything we said. Yeah, I wish I'd known. I know, I, I know. Known. Yeah. It was gold. We should have saved it. Yeah. yeah really. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a special kitchen talk. It was just a normal Jake and Dan talk. Jake and Dan kitchen talks. Yeah. Yeah. We do end up standing up in kitchens a lot. Because we're not talking. We're not, we won't be long. We won't be long. No. Because if we sit down, <laughs> then, <laughs> then we're committing to not doing any work. Yeah, yeah. I said yeah. to my wife, I was coming over here, and I said, look, you know, I'll be, I'll be back in time for you when you get home. She's like, no. I know what you two are like. You talk like a couple of old women. Yeah. Old women who like photography. <laughs> You know, but I do that thing where I can't let myself sit down and watch a, a movie. You don't like, sit down to watch movies? No, I mean, I just don't watch them because it's like, well, I'm committing to two hours of oh, not I working. See. Okay, you know, it doesn't, yet at the same time, I will sit there playing Binding of Isaac while watching YouTube videos because that feels closer to the idea but, of But that work. is the YouTube problem, isn't it? It's just like, oh no, I couldn't possibly sit down and watch a movie but I'll sit down and watch 20, 10-minute YouTube videos. Exactly, because yeah. I can stop at any time. Yeah. 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 It's like the same with Netflix binges. Like, oh, just one more. Just one more Buffy. That's actually on Amazon Prime, listeners. You, we know you're there, listeners, by the way. I know we've started <laughs> sort of pretending you're not there. Uh, so this is who are you? I'm Jake Hicks. How long have we known each other? Over twenty years now. Is it over twenty years? Yeah, I think I think we were eighteen. I was eighteen. Oh yeah. God, that would have mean I was nineteen. So that would have been ninety eight when we met. Yeah. Really? Yeah. At university. It was our college, but if you want to call it. Oh, university. We, we, you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, if, I, if the C, CB says differently, then that's fine. We, we uh, so listeners, we went to, did our degrees together uh, in photography and digital imaging when it was still know, yeah. relevant to put the words digital in it. hilarious. That was like a selling point. Yeah, there was two courses in the country, I remember. Two courses in the yeah. country, yeah, yeah, who that was doing anything remotely to do with that. I only went to Reading because my mum had a stroke. And I wanted to be like close to home rather than right. I'd, I'd been accepted to like Wolverhampton. Oh, I, I, yeah, wow, that was close. That was uh, close. Whew. I, no, do you know what? I think I would have preferred Wolves. I, I don't have a problem with the place. The accent is a bit, a bit racist. Strong. You're racist. That's, that accent has got nothing to do with race. Dudley. <laughs> that was that was offensive and xenophobic. Um, but yeah, so. But you'd been photography man before that as well. You you'd done. Uh, yeah, I am literally no good at anything else. So, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Failed all my um, exams and that sort of stuff. And uh, so you was, think you're good at photography? It, it, it's it's a relative term <laughs> in regards to how bad I am at everything else. Yeah. Subjective. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like to prefer it as better than. So essentially, this photography thing has been your vocation since you've been an adult. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um what do you obviously I know what you do now. This is an awkward one this this one because 
I because you've done research, Dan. That's why you I, know. I've done you're research. A, you're a professional podcast. Yeah, twenty years <laughs> of research into That's JK. How you know. yeah. I'm actually employed by you. That's right. <laughs> I am your underling. So yeah, if you hear me say day job, listeners, uh, especially Twitch people who who notice uh, there's odd Saturdays I don't work, don't stream. Uh, that's because I'm working for Jake here. So right. yeah. you know, I'm just trying to keep the boss sweet. So remember to tweet. And uh, Instagram, Jake, tell him how great the podcast was, and Dan deserves a raise. Um, okay, so, right. <clears throat> Photography. That's what you do. How did you get started? Let's go from the start, rather than trying to work backwards. Um, so, if you want to go to the start, when, when we met, you know, obviously we went through our college there three years, got out. Uh, what was it, early 2000s, I suppose, and then we started doing jobs together, didn't we? We, we were doing, you know, any sort of photo-related job that was going, mm. you know. Um, we did corporate headshots. Uh, we even did a wedding or two. We did... Um, badly. We did weddings badly. That's why neither of us... Yeah, it's that's a yeah that's 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 a hard graft, man. Yeah, I, I take my hat off to you well, know, to anybody who does weddings full time. There's and... a skill to being a wedding photographer oh, in that sure. you've got to capture that moment. There are lots of important moments that no day second there. chances, yeah. no second chances. But yeah. also on top of that, it's uh, someone's dream. They've got this idea in their head of what their wedding's going to look like, and you've got all that pressure. Of yeah, I can't imagine what that must be like now because I mean, brides, brides to be, whatever, they, they must have this vision in their head, especially thanks to the internet, is showing them absolutely phenomenal images. Oh, Instagram, yeah, which are obviously all real, are all real oh, God, weddings. Yes. Yeah, there's all no, there's real. no setup fake weddings in anybody's uh, wedding portfolio. Of are course. you calling out wedding photographers? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that there are be. certain events available where you can go. Oh, for, can you? <laughs> for a fee. and You get, can hire a bride. You can, essentially, yeah, you don't even, so a group of people can hire a bride at a phenomenal location. And uh, Wait, yeah. are we talking about porn now? <laughs> <laughs> this, this seems worrying. So, yeah, so there is certainly plenty of images out there that brides can look at and just expect, like, to, you know, I want to look like that. To have that sensational yeah, yeah. shot where... So, I, would, I would think you're already on, on the back foot when, when it comes to t- deliverables, should we say, mm. at the end of it. So it's, it's got to be tough, yeah. yeah. I think you've got to be incredibly good at people management as well. I shot my brother's wedding, and uh, it was in a basement with no windows, basically. The hall... I do vaguely remember you telling me that, yeah. Yeah, and um, so I was having to shoot Flash in there during the ceremony, and he had this giant zit on the back of his head. He he, he has uh, he was going bald. We all went bald really quickly, <laughs> but he was the worst for it. And uh, he used to have a close cropped hair. Okay, uh, did knob. That's what we called him, knob. Um, and uh, yeah, he just had this massive zit on the back of his head. So I'm like firing flash, and just obviously trying to bounce it off the ceiling, bounce it off trying that to get it a bit natural. Ceiling, yeah. Which was mean. This zit was just this massive shadow, and uh, yeah. Photos were awful, awful. But, you know, what can you do? I didn't... Reportage, Dan, that's what they call it now. Yeah. They're not awful. That was my style, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Lazy is, was my style. Um, so, yeah, so we were, uh, you know, so we were doing we were doing anything and anything that, that goes, really. And, and I suppose back then that was really what any photographer did. Like, we all just shot the work that was around us. This mm. was in the... When we, we were still shooting film when we first started, when we were yeah. at university, still shooting film. Um, still getting paid. And getting paid, which, which is unfathomable. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think how how hard it was to shoot film back then. Like we were doing those corporate headshots. Remember, we would don't take. We took that bloody old white sheet. Mm-hmm. When we were up like late the night before, trying to iron and starch it, and because this is pre digital. Like you shoot on film. If you've got creases in the sh- in the background, they're there they're forever. There. Like it's yeah. So when we were trying to go to them, take as much kit and stuff. In a, in a cab, that's right. Yeah, we were doing it in a cab as well. Yeah, neither of us could drive. That's right, yeah. So we were doing it in a cab and... God, and then just trying to somehow make that sheet flat. I mean, what a nightmare. I mean, I, I don't I don't miss those film days. That's rough, man. That's rough. Mm. But, um, like, there is... That's where the magic came from, though. I think, like, photographers being able to charge what they used to be able to charge Agreed. was yeah. partially because of the... There was still a little bit of black magic in the in the idea from the client's point of view of, like, oh... There's um, science there, you know? Yeah. You are literally manipulating uh, photons. Or manipulating how you capture photons to, to uh, represent... The world, but, but but again, the expectation was so much lower because people just weren't as aware. Like now, like a corporate headshot or anything like that, they're expecting, you know, they've only seen the best corporate headshots in the world. Yeah, like they haven't seen other average photographers I, around you. Do you know what? I was walking out of uh, Reading train station uh, Saturday night around ten o'clock. I'd been to London, Jake. Uh, it's, it's a late night. Uh, a late night for me. Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, I, I was tempted to go to one of the burger places or something, you know. Um, but they've got this giant electronic billboard outside. Uh, yeah, another one, yeah, yeah. Which, bear in mind, is horrible. Because, like, it used to be you walked up to the new Reading station and you got to see the nice lines and all that. Now you just see a digital billboard. Oh, yeah, true, yeah. Um, but it had an advert for Snappy Snaps. Really? Yes, but doing corporate headshots. Because they've got a little studio in their basement. basement that's right. And oh my god, they were basically passport photo headshots. It's like, how do you expect anyone to spend money when, like, people can take better corporate headshots than they do in Snappy Snaps on their phone yeah. without any help of, yeah. of professional lighting? Yeah, it's like, you know, the power of your phone now is just, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, so, um, so we did that for, for a little bit, and then, uh, well, you obviously saw. A huge success with your music career and that sort of thing. So, I heard about that. Yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> you remember those those years? Uh, that's uh, why I was in London. Uh, that's why I had to go into do an interview with Pip on a stage. Oh, really? Just that's why I was there. Yeah, we were in. It was the twentieth anniversary of a radio show called Exposure okay. from XFM, and uh, me and Pip sat on a stage and talked to John Kennedy, and I think. Uh, there were a few other bands who did it, the okay. editors and someone from the Maccabees, and it was pretty cool. It was a nice, it was a nice day. Anyway, yeah. your life. And you were home by ten. I was home by ten. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Jake, um, Pip was home by like six. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay, fair he had to rush off so he gotcha. could be ready to watch the wrestling. Oh, um, he's, yeah, he does love that. Yeah. Well, it, I think it's called MMA now. Right. I don't know if they're the same thing. I haven't been paying attention. I know you're going like, to get banned for calling it wrestling. Probably. Yeah. I'm off the network. Right. I know he likes um, soccer and men in their underwear fighting. Uh, they're two things I know he likes. And pizza. So that's okay. important. Um, go on. So, <laughs> so yeah. So you, yes, you went off and did that. And I, um, I struggled on for a little bit with, with the 
photography thing. Um, and I say struggled on because at that point, digital had really kicked in. We we bought a digital camera and all the lights and stuff maybe a year or so previous to that. And um, and it was great for a time. Like the money that we were making was because we were still charging the same amount as if we were shooting film. Well, the, yeah, so, so we, we bought that Fuji S2. That's right, that's right. Yeah. Six megapixels. Which took double A batteries. It did. It took double A batteries in the body. Oh. Yeah, and it had like a micro drive, which was a plug-in hard drive. Yeah, they were crazy, yeah. those things. My um, MPCs still yeah. take them, yeah. and uh, they're weird. Uh, you... I, I found a compact flash card the other day that's eight megabytes. Ooh. That is compact. That is literally compact. Eight megabytes. Um, so, yeah. So, so we, we so yes, we bought that camera and that sort of stuff, and then that thing like you know paid for itself instantly because you just, you know you were still charging film prices. But um, so not- weirdly, we we mentioned corporate headshots. Um, we we got that in midway through a court through the that's right. Uh, it was an architecture company. There was like twelve people or something there. Went that's on for right. a while. Yeah. So we had to keep going back keep going there back. and right. doing them. And that one. I saw the brochure and that one woman the who one wouldn't woman, that's do right. it yeah. just sent them like a photo of her on holiday and they'd had to cut it out and, and send it, it back tiny. away. Like, it was, it was like, horrible. It's just like four pixels across or something. It could have yeah. been anybody. Yeah. She looked bad because of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She's an idiot. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, we didn't mention the name, so it's fine. Um, so, so yeah, so things, things, it, it became very, very difficult in the sort of early mid two thousands to try and to try and get the money that we used to get um, because you know digital was there, and I remember taking portfolio around to um, physically taking a portfolio around to hair mm. salons and that sort of stuff, and speaking to people because we've been doing a lot of um, hair hair. Uh, competitions and that sort of thing. So we were going around. I was going around there, and I was taking in the portfolio, and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, no, we love it. It's amazing. Oh, it's beautiful. Love your work. It's phenomenal. Can't wait to work with you. It's gonna be amazing." Da, 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 da. And then the thing, you know, the thing of budget would come up, and they'd be like, "Well, no, we don't pay. Mm. Like, you know, we don't pay photographers. I've got, you know, a friend's niece's cousin who's at university, and they've got a digital camera. We can take those pictures." So it became a real, like, like the idea of photography and what that meant to me like like to to the general person just shifted hugely mm. it was like it's it, it was just a deliverable it wasn't art that had any level of quality it was like yeah photos delivered yes or no delivered yes there's no quality there yeah you know it was like it's like somebody fixing I, a pipe i think when we when people demystified film by it being digital yeah they thought that was all of deep photography demystified yeah, it was. It was. I've captured an image, which you have. You've captured an image, and mm. whether it be of a, a haircut or a corporate headshot, yes, you you have delivered the job. You have, and there, there was no scale. Um, it was like, yeah, but I can do it better. What do you mean better? Like, I want. It. I just yeah. want photos of, of the of this. You know. Um, so that, that that became very very difficult to prove back then. Like, how, how do you prove yourself? Um, because you need to have. You need to be given that opportunity, as it were. So. Um, I dropped out of it for, I don't know, I suppose a couple of years, I suppose. And I, I went and worked in like a climbing and outdoor store and that sort of thing. I just did a lot. And you went off and actually climbed mountains as well. Yeah, I oh, know. It was great. I don't, I don't. You nearly died. It. Several times. Yeah, several <laughs> times. It was, um, yeah, it was an odd, an odd couple of years in my life. But yeah, um, it was yeah, a phenomenal experiences were had but yeah I didn't really take any pictures people are like oh my god yeah your holiday pictures or your mountain must be amazing and I was like no no no, no it didn't it wasn't, didn't, wasn't interested but do you feel like obviously 
you shoot in a studio with a model, mm -hmm. then you're expected to have a camera in front of your face. But when you're walking around the world, like, again, like going into London the other day, I've got one of your old cameras mm -hmm. with a, a Lomo plastic lens, and uh, it feels weird. I'm on the street pulling out a camera. It's like, for some reason, there's like this psychological barrier there. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Especially now, like, if I want to take a snap or something, I'll just do it on my phone. I know, like, but like you said to me that you weren't allowed to shoot somewhere because you had a proper pro camera. Yeah, and it's like what I I know. It's, it's like, like what are you quantifying that? I wasn't allowed. To, I wasn't meant to bring it into the festival because it was a proper professional camera. camera. Professional camera. Yeah. It's like so. Like, what did they quantify? Like that's you can get tiny Fujis now that look. I know. You know, like who is quantifying what is a professional camera? Is and weirdly, obviously, I had that um, Holger. Was it Lomo Diana lens on yeah. there? Which is a toy lens, so every person plastic lens, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every person's phone in that festival could it's, shoot better footage than I could, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And I was trying to explain it to yeah. the security guard, and he was just like, "Nah, mate, nah, mate, <laughs> nah, mate." <laughs> um, so yeah, I did that for a couple of years. What mountains did you climb? Uh, we did, we did a lot of you did Mont Blanc. Yeah, yeah, we did Mont Blanc. We did a lot in the um, in Europe, and that's. What, I mean, I went went to Canada and did a lot of ice climbing and recipes like that. And then we did Kilimanjaro as well when I was a the lot, hard a lot younger. One of the harder routes, not yeah. The this is this is not the Coca Cola route as they as they call I it. What they call it? I mean, it's got like steps and picnic benches all the way up. And stuff. Right. Yeah, you, it's it, you can you can very. That's what my mum and dad have done. You can very right. Okay, yeah. and moving on. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that, they were older. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think they've done it. Maybe I imagined it. I think I don't know. I get confused. They go away a lot now. Right. They've got you right. know no. Financial well, we were yeah. We, 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 we were a lot younger. Then. We didn't have much money, so we were just we just got some really dodgy guide in a group, you know, for next to nothing money in Africa, and it was it was so dodgy, man. You know, some <laughs> of the stories from that it, it was far from a professional experience, but that's part of being young, I suppose. But anyway, yeah, so we did that for a couple of years, and then, um, I was, like I said, I was just working in a shop, and it, it did get to a point where it's like, I just, I'm not, I don't, I, what am I going to do? I can't do this forever, so I'm going to mm. have to find a proper job, as it were. Um, going to Morrison's every day, buying a whole roast chicken for your lunch. Oh yeah, yeah. Those that's, were the yeah, days. That's good, man. That's good. Yeah. Back when <laughs> metabolism worked. Um, so it was uh, really the only thing I was good at was photography. So I started to try and look at getting jobs in in that field, but not freelance, but actually getting like a like a salary job. Yeah. Um, and I did manage to get a job in a studio. Uh, and like I said, it was a salary come in, you know, nine to five type thing. You work in a studio and. You'd be working in in that studio, and t today you're photographing families. Today you're photographing headshots, or you know, book cover, whatever it is. You just yeah. used to be photographing. Whatever that, that the came type in. of for the for you listening, the type of studio. You know those people who harass you in your shopping mall to try to get your your pictures taken, your family pictures, and that sort yeah, of stuff. It's yeah, 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 that yeah. kind of studio where you're doing a bunch of stuff. The the shoot, the actual taking the photos is cheap, and then they. Usually free, yeah. Yeah, corner you in a room afterwards yeah. to guilt you. I mean, to show you the beauty that's been captured of you and your family. And Hold it ransom. Sell you frames. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but that was, like, that was late 2000s now, I suppose. So, uh, But I, I think the reason I bring that up is, how, like, how you were actually, obviously you're shooting, and then you're having to, to sell your work how mm -hmm. how was that because obviously when we were working together it was 
prior to the we well, almost get paid beforehand, don't you? You've you, you've already sort of convinced you've got the them, job, yeah, yeah, yeah that, absolutely with your work. Yeah. But then you have to in a studio like that, you've got to justify what you've captured after you've captured it. Yeah. After, yeah, how was that to have to, especially trying to convince people who maybe aren't educated in photography? You know, they're they're seeing well that one hair of mine's out of place, so that's a bad image you know how how is that relationship between the knowledgeable and the um i think it i think it comes down to like the whole experience when you first meet them uh because it, it, it was tough because they don't want to be there like family for example dad don't want to be there like, it's mm. saturday i could be doing anything i don't want to be here mm. um so they're already he's already on the back foot he's not really you know giving you any he's eye got contact. the shed to sort out anything yeah, yeah anything he really don't want to be there and plus he knows that there is going to be a certain dollar attachment you know he's not ignorant it's like look nothing there's yeah. no free lunch you know I, I know that you're going to try and sting me for money at some point so he yeah. definitely just want to do anything but make friends with you um and then in the next 15 minutes, you then have to take the best photographs they've ever seen of themselves, you know, having the most fun that they've ever had. So you get very good at being able to read people quite quickly and also just trying to get rid of all that barrier stuff immediately. Um, and it, that, that certainly wasn't something that I was used to or good at to begin with, but you do you do get very good at it very quickly because you have to. Like, you know, some days you're shooting eight different shoots a day mm. you know 16 shoots in a weekend so you know it's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of photo shoots every single year so you are like, you are getting through a huge volume of people um so you do get very good at reading people and being able to try and coax them or almost trick them into a very short space of time into enjoying themselves and then what you do when you're selling the images is you are really just tapping into that into that experience or that fun that they've had and I, and I think that we can often forget that like when we see an image like we're not seeing it like in an art gallery we, we see a piece of art and we see it for the first time there's nothing attached to it for us we are seeing a piece of art brand new for the first time there is no backstory to it yeah and that's why it means something different to everybody that's what that's well what I, I, yeah and I suppose the the reason it, there is some like semantic things in the image the signifies which is in which is an individual to that person correct but yeah, yeah your understanding yeah. of the color red exactly or, yeah you know well like what we think of as a beautiful woman or man is affected by every beautiful woman or man we've seen throughout our lives yeah and that and, and that does change over time but yeah there are certain global triggers should we say you know not mm. like you say color is a you know is a, is a strong one but then you know red means something different to us in the west as it does to people in the east yeah. so you know there, but there are certain semiotics that will draw us in for sure but when but when you're taking pictures of people like that's not that doesn't happen to them because that's unique to them and they remember mm. they cannot disconnect themselves from when that picture was taken. Yeah. And that really, to me, was a was a huge trigger as like a very powerful selling tool, if you like. Not selling the image, but selling yourself as a photographer and what you can offer because it's not just about the final product. It is about what's attached to that image as well. And if you can try and tap into that and not... Like I think the temptation for some new photographers when they get into that situation is to talk about, oh, look at the composition here. Look what I've done for you. Look, I, I love the way that I've balanced that image for you and I brought that negative space in. And people were, yeah. and, and people were being taught that shit and it was totally <clears throat> like, you're trying to sound, 
you know that that arsehole at the car garage is trying to throw you know fancy terms at you or fancy high five yeah. and they're using all these technical jar- jargon selling is I hate that. Like to say the best way to sell a hi fi is to turn it on and show someone how good it sounds, not all the things it's got to it. All the little list of features and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And that, and, and that jargon selling is 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 the worst. Well, um, the jargon's there to reassure you that you've made the right choice. But it's not the thing that makes you make the choice. The, the other final yeah. thing, yeah. So, um, and I think you, you know, some artists or, or, or creatives can get a little bit bogged down by that joke. I was like, oh, look what I've done. Mm. This is, this is, oh, I love the way that I've used complementary colours here to bring out like your daughter's eyes. Like, it's like they don't give a shit. It's just a regular person. They don't care yeah. about that. But if you can get that aside and you can talk about like try and get them to remember the fun or the experience that they had whilst whilst that was being taken, then you can attach that feeling to that image. And then you can start to sell that image because you're not selling the image, you're selling the feeling surrounding that image, which is a huge difference. It's a weird thing though, because as a creator, like, um, so if you're putting, you've taken this shot that you've spent 20 hours just planning out the lighting, the styling of the model, the like how you're going to use a specific lens and do X, Y, and Z. You've piled all that work into it. Uh, do you find sometimes that your feeling, the, the the emotional like pride of I I nailed this thing I was trying to achieve, um, sometimes gets in the way of knowing whether the shot's good or not? For sure, yeah, for sure. Like, I mean. You I, show your audience, and they're like, "Oh yeah," and you're like, "But I did all this work. Yeah. This is look at all my skill here." So I'm really guilty. It was like for, for a number of years now. I've tried different things out throughout the period of a year, and as it gets towards the end of the year, I'm doing shoots, and I'm like almost incorporating all the sort of things I've tried in the in the previous months. So like my shoots towards the end of the year, this has happened several times now. Um, shoots towards the end of the year, just horrendous cacophony of like just over the top, too many techniques and too many yeah. ideas being. And I'm like, yeah, I managed to get it all. It's just a mess. Like yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's just it's it's awful. Yeah. It's terrible. Um, I managed to make say, marshmallows on pizza taste nice. But <laughs> yeah, true. I, I, I love all these things, but I they don't to. necessarily work well together. Yeah. You know, you can have too much of a good thing. Um, but yeah, that was, you know, from a portrait point of view, that's a very different business model. And, you know, people who take portraits, I think that's, that, that, that is a big difference to what I perhaps do now, where is I'm selling images where the people don't have a story behind it. I'm mm. just selling beauty from a visual, from a visual point of view, yeah. like totally unbiased as to what's gone before. And you mentioned about that feeling and, and emotion that like you as a, photographer can get caught up in that as well when you, you you do a shoot and for example i do my damnedest to not edit a shoot and for at least one or two days afterwards because you can be tricked into thinking an image is good because you attach a certain memory to it like you'll see a shot you know if you take 300 a thousand images or whatever and you see a shot in there and it's like oh yeah that's that time when sally nearly fell over on the hairbrush and that was yeah, uh, yeah. just after we'd had lunch and everybody was feeling like that's, that's that's got nothing to do with that photograph, but you're yeah. attaching that emotion to it, so you can get tricked into thinking that some that that image is better than it actually is. Like the viewer doesn't know that backstory, yeah, so I it th- has no relevance. I think that obviously we. Um, so we haven't really said what your work is now. You you shoot like color heavily saturated, not always heavily saturated, but color gel work. So using colored light mainly to heavily stylized 
models. Editorial, not glamour as such. The reason I say the difference there is because editorial tends to focus on the impact of the entire image that the model is a part of, whereas glamour is about pulling all focus in on... uh, the male the gaze, subject, yeah, the yeah, subject, yeah, yeah. and not not strictly arousal, but trying to go into a more primal thing, Agreed. rather yeah. than the the uh... editorial. For me, you know, I classify editorial as definitely selling selling a lifestyle or selling an idea, rather than selling a product, as it was. I mean, if that product happens yeah. to be a person, then fine. Yeah. But yeah, that's yeah, that's that, that that's why I would class my work as more, more editorial because of that reason. I'm trying to sell that idea of mm. something you know feeling good looking good type thing yeah um so what was i saying before then yeah i interrupted because i had a thing but yeah. i felt like i had to say a no, thing no that's, that's fair that's fair and then i had to make that clear and then i forgot the thing i had interrupted to then say basically well, yeah, pretty much all of my work is all done with like flash photography usually in a very controlled environment yeah. usually a studio type type situation and yes it is usually of Attractive young ladies, yes. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, but the idea behind my work is, as you said, using a lot of coloured light. All of it is using coloured light in mm. one form or another. That's that's sort of what I'm known for now, yeah. Now, if I could remember what you were saying before I said that, then I could remember what... Yeah, should we just rewind and have a look? <laughs> so, the, um, <laughs> so I think I was just talking about how you can use that to your advantage, that, that, that idea of... Uh, oh, I was talking about editing. That's it. How something yes. can be, you know, you shouldn't, you don't want to get attached to it. You want to look at something objectively. Um, and I, I hear a lot of educators and other uh, other photographers talking about it's always about telling a story, always about telling a story, always about telling a story. And I don't disagree with that. So when they're saying about, you know, a great photographer or a great photograph should tell a story, I don't necessarily disagree with that. But I will say that I, I've always been under this idea that you can create an image that is visually engaging and stunning in its in its own right i believe that there are certain triggers within ourselves that we can see something yeah without it, like a story attached to it and but it still be i think appealing. there's an opportunity for the viewer to tell the story themselves like um if you ever uh there's death of the author like this this idea that like whether authorial intent is more important than the viewer's reading of it. You know, like, once you put something in the world, what you meant by it stops right there. True. And then what the audience decide about it is death of the author, you know? Whereas an authorial intent would say that whatever the author meant is always true, you know? Um, So you can either, yes, tell a story with an image... Or you can create an engaging, stunning image that allows room for the audience to tell that story. You know, you, you there's a shoot you did with um, Mirrors and Jordan Abbott, you know, uh, and it's like dark and hazy and she's oh, in the yeah, distance and you're, right. you're essentially shooting the mirror. But it's not like her doing her makeup, it's her posing way off in the distance. And, yeah, but it's a weird shoot because she stood right next to me. She is right like, next to you. It's weird, yeah. like you as the photographer stood right next to the model and, you're, and I'm photographing her. You're looking away from the model. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird, yeah. But, like, so you, you, but that image has room 
to ask questions like why yeah. what is she thinking what what is this you know um but yeah so i i kind of agree that you can not deliberately actively tell the story but it's also being aware that people are going to read it in a particular yeah, way yeah no, that's fair yeah that's fair yeah 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 um how do you find the um your subject in a weird sense isn't strictly relevant like if you were doing your shoots with like a famous actor the subject becomes because the audience knows who that is then yeah. you're you you can't ever escape what they've done before so what are you looking at to get across an emotion when you you choose your subjects so what do I look at in my subjects? Then? Yeah, are you looking... Is it this just on ability? Is this on... Because your work's quite experimental, is it like personality thing that's going to allow you to... I think it's good. Yeah, it's, it's a good question because in you could say, well, you know, Jake's just chosen these people because they look, you know, attractive in the in, in the normal sense. Yeah, sure. But I, 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 I'm also looking for people who are a bit more expressive with their poses should we say I'm, I'm i'm very i get really excited by a model who can really just throw some ridiculous shapes and poses mm. and it's just like that looks that doesn't look anything even remotely sexy but it looks phenomenal in yeah. a shot when once you've added all the lighting and that sort of stuff and you know you know she, she's got a lot of power in that image um and i think i mean this this, this also brings up another topic that i find interesting as well where people maybe other photographers starting out are, are looking to you know book somebody and they're, and they're hoping for some i don't know something some spark to happen on a shoot and like oh yeah we just connected and all that sort of stuff like you can have that that's fine but i think you know we've been on shoots in this and then this goes back i mean years i mean like mm. we, we had some shoots way back when we did um like one of those big shoots for tony and guy up in Tottenham Court road there whatever it was yeah. and um like there was some bitches on set, man. Like yeah. it was like, oh no, I I want my cup of tea now, and, and the air conditioning is too cold, and it's like there's a room full of twelve people, and yeah, you there was want the, what was that six agency models that yeah, day, yeah, yeah, plus the, like a team of you know, and there was a weird competitive element between the models. I think that that some of them were trying to put their authority, stamp their foot of authority. I am the most professional of this group of professional models. You know, I am the one who deserves the attention sort of thing, which was really Yeah, hard. and it's like the more of a diva I am, the more professional I am because that's what's expected of a professional yeah. model. Like, that's the stereotype. It's and hair like, shoots suck for models because <laughs> they have to, like, you can, like, for most of the shoots we do, we can get, uh, well, we, we did a shoot just, just recently on location. We did five different setups in like six hours, mm. you know, with time for tea and talking and all that. Whereas if you're a model on a hair shoot, you're getting there three hours before you shoot to have someone faff with your hair, which doesn't sound like hard work. And yes, you're sitting down, but you're just waiting. And then you like have all the demands of the photographer. And then someone's going to faff with your hair again because you never just use the model once. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's and long and slow and restrictive. Because those girls usually get booked for for a half day for like a hair shoot. They'll, they'll either be in the morning, you know, so whatever it is, nine until one, and then mm. one until five, whatever it is. So yeah, so that, that they'll usually be in there. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think I mean I did a shoot. This was uh, this is what when you were doing the music, but um, we we did a shoot once where it was uh, 
like the models were there and they were there for four hours. Like she's got to go at one. We didn't get to start shooting her until quarter to one. Like she was in the chair. For yeah, yeah. Three, three and three quarter hours, and like we had her fifteen minutes, and then, and then the you know like the hairdresser was there, like, like you've got fifteen minutes to get this, you need to get the shot. So and she was so she was in front of the camera for fifteen minutes out of her day. Yeah, like that was it. And it's like, it, it, so yeah, modeling is not just about standing up there and looking pretty. Most of the time, the majority yeah. of the time, you are not in front of the camera. I, I think it's a, it's a profession that I think people. There's so many levels to it. Obviously, yeah, yeah, you yeah. think when someone says model, you think catwalk or yeah. porn. Really, they're the two types of models there are: catwalk or porn. But you <laughs> might be a couple of other ones in there. But, but like, yeah. as, as a as a layman, but then that like a, a catalog model is a very different job Agreed. to catwalk, a, a traditional yeah. fashion model. Yeah. Like a catalog models take like fifty um, costume changes in a day, having to. Bosh, 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 bosh through so much. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. but then you've got, like, um, those... Uh, when we were talking about photography earlier, like, we were talking about postcode photographers, like, doing all the different jobs in your area. In your area, regardless of what it was. You yeah. also have postcode models who are, like, good models who um, are available, but you could be... They don't know what they're getting. Photographers, level-wise, you could have... a someone professional shooting something for a website or whatever or it could just be a rank amateur who just likes taking photos of pretty girls and and there's nothing wrong with that i mean that does kind of bring me back to what i was saying um a second ago about you know what people expect from a shoot and like i was saying we were on that shoot when there was some models there were bitchy or whatever that sort of thing but like i don't care i'm looking for how somebody is in in front of the camera like they can be a bitch and a diva all day but if when they get in front of the camera they are just giving me phenomenal you know really just drilling into the camera expressions and just then that's that's what I want I don't want a model to be my best friend all day and then just give me just limp-wristed you know poses that doesn't that doesn't you know that that, um, movie poster shoot we did what while ago so like one of the one of the guys on there was like Giving it all this and like, oh, oh mate, yeah. but when he got in front of the camera, it was it was great. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's uh, fine. I, I don't care if you want to be if you want to be a pain in the arse all day. I, I haven't got a problem with that as long as when you give me great shots, I'd far rather that than somebody who's yeah. That that movie shoot, uh, obviously, I think he that guy you're talking about was the only one who who had um, yeah was on IMDb right out of okay. all of them. Okay, so I think yeah, yeah. It, yeah, he's the one who's probably he'd been in like not EastEnders, but he'd been in stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know. But people who are, who who are going to give you um, who are going to give you something, I, I think you know me as as an artist, if I can call myself that, then that's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for you know necessarily the stereotypically perfect, beautiful, you know, excellent example of a model. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at somebody who's going to give me that edge for sure. Yeah. So. You mentioned in that wedge there, you mentioned educators, but you are an educator as well. I am now. You know, you know, obviously there's the old adage, those who can do, those who can't teach. Mm. There's two questions here, really. Do you feel like teaching your work, because you have a very particular style Mm -hmm. and other than a few photographers around the country who copy your style, you probably are the gels guy. Mm-hmm. You know, for mm-hmm. most, people I'm very fortunate that, that that seems to be the case. Yeah. yeah, 
do you feel like the quest to educate people and give them something new to learn affects your creativity? So I, from, from my learning point of view, I mean, I'm learning all the time, as I'm sure any half-decent creative should be. You should mm. be just learning or at least thinking and realizing new ideas all the time. So when I'm teaching or educating or putting together, formulating ideas to, to teach, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm learning a lot more about that process as well. So there are things that I'm like, oh yeah, I can I can teach A over here and I can do that. And but if if any self-respecting educator, you should at least make sure that you've got that fully locked down. And let's let's just do some research on that and let's just make sure that everything that I'm going to be covering, you know, rings true in other tangents and that sort yeah. of thing. So along that way, you end up learning a huge amount. I mean, I so I do like a Technique Tuesday post, which is every Tuesday I, I release an article. And that means that I have to research. And You've do been doing that for about five years now. Yeah, four or five years. Yeah, yeah, so. And that, like, that uh, Technique Tuesday, which is just giving away a photographic idea yeah. and technique yeah, every yeah, yeah. single Tuesday for five years now, uh, that actually plays a huge part in your success in reach, recent years. Absolutely agree, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure, yeah, yeah. And it, it's just a slow and steady approach really you know when you start out doing it it's you just you're just talking to your mum and then you yeah know, over time it, it you know it starts then to your dad something. yeah exactly if you're lucky yeah. yeah um so uh so yeah so it does you know so it so it, that that sort of thing does does grow but it's very difficult to to plan that you got right i'm going to do this and i'll get you know you just content has to be there i suppose is what i'm saying yeah you can't just go it's not just a dear diary thing you are actually trying to put out relevant content each and every week which comes at a cost you know, yeah time yeah. you've not been following my instagram stories jake come on i can't That's... not not ever not, not as soon as you got your belly out mate i had to i just had to unfollow that oh that was a beauty i lost i lost so many followers because of that photo oh it was so good though my belly button's so deep, you know. But it was, it was. I used it. I wanted to cull my Instagram followers. Yeah, I like, it. I like it. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to reach yeah. the magical ten k where I'm allowed to post links or whatever. That's, it is. I mean, who needs that? Who yeah. needs that? Yeah. So, you teach workshops face to face. You also have a few video workshops available for purchase online at uh, what's the website name now? Uh, well, you just go to my website, JKX photography.com and everything else you you can find everything else from there Um, but because of like making some of your living from that education content uh, I think the question I was asking is does the quest for new things to teach then change your creative output like finding new has it changed your work as such yeah I think was what I, I was asking so I'm honestly not sure in this chicken or egg situation is it the fact that i'm as a creative constantly looking for new things to push my work forward and as a byproduct of that i end up teaching that Mm -hmm. Um, or is it like okay i need to work on this new thing i need to work on a new video or a tutorial or, or a workshop whatever that and then that then spawns me to shoot more which then turns into that new idea so I honestly do not know which which feeds into the other. Um, you know, if I wasn't educating, would I be constantly changing as you know, pushing new ideas forward? Maybe I wouldn't. No, maybe mm. I wouldn't. Yeah. So the other thing there, and sort of tangentially, do you uh, because 
as a creative art form, like photography is really well suited for this digital age, the mm. social media thing. Mm. Does your output get affected by the response to what you're creating? Yeah, it's really good. And I don't know whether this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I, I, yeah, I, I would, I would argue that it's almost impossible to separate the two. So I think what what, what you're asking is, does the success to the numbers to the numbers like make? So if I post one image where I'm using pink and blue colored lights and that gets, you know, 5,000 yeah. likes, or if I post an image of green and yellow lights and that only gets 500 likes, is it likely that I'm gonna not going to want... Exactly, yeah. It's yeah. really difficult to separate the two. And I think that unless you're just not looking at the numbers at all and not engaging with your audience whatsoever, you're just posting and walking away, then... I think that it is... So I don't look at the numbers for this podcast. I don't know how well last week's episode did with Danny Wallace, other than what people say. Um, What, like, people who have actively said to me, hey, Dan, it was really good, yada, yada. Um, Because of the fact that I, I like the feeling of people enjoying it, and I don't want to find out that only five people enjoyed it. You know, I I almost like Christmas. It's Christmas Eve always for me. Not I don't know how successful this podcast is, and if I ever find out, that might ruin it. For yeah, me. it's kind of true. But but that's uh, agreed for sure. I totally get that. But at the same time, is it is it not better that ten people absolutely loved it, or a, or five thousand vapid Instagram followers thought it was okay? Like <laughs> a little bit of bitterness towards Instagram, there, Jake. <laughs> because it is just so transient. It's just like yeah. you put something out there, and it's like like it's very difficult to have an engaging response on Instagram. I'm granted, you know, I'm 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 nearly forty now, and I am you know from the Facebook era, but I still do love. The, the the Facebook and the, and the fact that that platform has the ability for me to have engaging conversations with yeah. other creatives as opposed to just the emoji fest that is on Instagram and just yeah. double tap and, and, and move on. Does it mean that I'm not affected by it? No, of course I am not. If, mm. if one image gets more likes than another, then that, that's going to have an effect. But the algorithm is also tricking you as well. Like, yeah. well, would that image have done better had I posted it at 6 p.m.? Or if I posted it on the weekend. Oh, if I changed my phrasing. If... So you've got to be very careful. You've got to be so careful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the algorithm is also related to what other people are posting. You, you, I think people forget that. That that algorithm isn't an algorithm about you, the poster. It's about you, the viewer. The algorithm is designed to, for the, to show, to serve content to the viewer. So it's picking and choosing. So maybe maybe somebody else posted a green and yellow lit at the same time, yeah, around the same time, and that could Um, affect it as well. And that could affect it. I don't know. I think we like to think the algorithm's more like brighter than it actually is. Maybe the Spotify algorithm is like, uh, well, Dan likes this and Dave likes this, so let's show him what Dave listened to next. Ah. Right, okay. Or it could be super, it could actually know what it's showing you, but I don't believe it does. I think they like to make you think it does. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe that's just my bitterness towards Spotify. Bitch, Um, pay me. but (laughs) But no, I mean, like the question that you asked originally about the you know, like the I've been asking questions following. I know <laughs> who knew wow. who knew um, but I think it's a I think it's a really valid question I just think that we need to be careful as to how much um, credit we put 
into it. Like me posting an image on Instagram being seen by 10, 20, 30,000 people is one thing. But if I was to put an image up, an actual printed out and put an image up in the corner shop, you know, on, on the corner there, mm. it's going to be seen by maybe a couple of hundred people. But is it going to have more of an effect on them because they've physically been in there and they've spent time with it and they're yeah. looking at it in that coffee shop? Like, is does that... Does to me? Does that mean more to me as an artist? If, and I think if it's that younger coffee. people aren't there. They're like, no, I, I want the twenty thousand nobodies, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. to to be touched by it. I think there is there is something to be said for social media to kind of take the good feedback with a pinch of salt, and then just ignore the negative. I know that sounds. I know that's not a realism way of treating the world, but the negatives just doesn't benefit you. You know, a, a bunch of people say, "Well, and shit," because of X, Y, and Z. Like you posted some shots where you were um, using zoom and long exposures in an interesting way to yeah. create really quiet alien shapes with your model. Yeah, and people reacted really badly to it because yeah. it made her arms look. Skinny, skinny, and but like quite alien, quite deliberate, you know. But then obviously, people are reacting negatively because they think that you've tried to make her slimmer in some in in in, in Photoshop, and that's yeah, and that is another problem that that I think we face as well. I mean, I can you know we we were doing this long exposure stuff like twenty years ago at uni, you know, archaeology stuff. It's just like it's 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 a technique that's as old as the hills, and yet when you do it now, the knee jerk reaction from the public is to go Photoshop. Mm. Like that's that's where you go to because people aren't aware of what can be done in camera because they don't necessarily need to exactly, filters yeah. and that sort of stuff. So the knee jerk reaction is to go Photoshop, um, and also the knee jerk reaction is why have you done that to that model? Like you've you know that how dare you? That's disgraceful. Yeah, and it's like that, that's that's an, that it's just an artistic technique that that's a byproduct of that technique. Yeah, Picasso her. got it all the time. Why do you yeah. stick that model's ear on the front <laughs> of her head, yeah. dickhead? But whereas like. It's, it's it's bizarre, like what what that means. Because had we done that twenty years ago in camera, people would have been like, "Oh wow, that's incredible! I love that." Not like, "Why yeah. have you done? Like, why does yeah. it make any difference?" Like, the end product is still exactly the same. Mm. But now that we know that it can be done in in digital, that means that you've actively thought about changing that person's body, which is you you've got to be so 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 careful now. But I think what people don't don't understand as well with photography is just uh, making sure you're below the the model's eye level, looking up at them changes the shape of their body. Usually, you know, yeah. with you, photography t- deliberately manipulates light. That's what you're doing, and and because of the almost imperfections of what a photographic lens does, even the greatest lens, if it's like slightly wide angle or standard sort of length, it's going to distort ever so slightly. Mm-hmm. And you're choosing to use that to distort the image, whether I, the uh, viewer can tell yeah. or not. So yeah. uh, it is a, a strange thing. Um, how do you feel about the, the filter generation now? This, like, how easy it is to, to make um, skin look, clear and all that because your your work is so heavily colored mm-hmm. that it has to be um it has a, a fair amount of work in post you're not creating so, anything in post you're just bringing that yeah i'm, I'm art to yeah, it yeah you know, I'm, I'm, 
I'm, I'm definitely polishing it, you know, in, in regards to removing all the pimples and, you know, all yeah. that worse sort of stuff, yeah. And I think, it, again, this this comes back to... But I, I, does Snapchat filters and stuff lessen the, the quality of your work? Does it make you feel like you have to go even harder to just fit what the average person can do with Facetune or whatever? Yeah, it's a couple, and and I, I think this comes comes back to your original point about social media and the response to it. So let me just rewind about I don't know five, six, seven years or something, and where I posted one of uh, like a gelled image shot, so mm. coloured lights on a model um, that she'd asked for, uh, and I, had, I didn't really think too, too too much about it at the time, mm. uh, you, you know, because oh. one second for the moped to go past. I live on a main street, listeners. Ah, oh, that hairdryer. What a legend. Yeah. <laughs> Seven years ago, posted yeah, gel lighting. So, yeah, so um, that was... Modelled asked for some coloured um, light and stuff. Did it do that? Great. And um, sure, and I, and I shared it online. And people went crazy for it. I was like, oh my God, how's that done? That's amazing. I've never seen that before. Da, 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 da. And again, it comes back to you and I were doing like coloured gels in, in the studio like 20 years ago. Mm. And back then, like everybody was like, so like, uh, yeah. that, that was ridiculous. But, you know, I think it, like the, like the eighties had done such a such a number on coloured lighting. You know, it was horrendous. Like music videos Super from the eighties were just like, Super oh my cheesy. god. So anybody, any self-respecting photographer would not use coloured lighting. Near them. Yeah. Um, is there a certain element of like pre-internet uh, ideas being able? Being ripe for reuse as well. Hey, definitely. You know, definitely. because because it's not all out there. Yes, there are photograph photographers from before the internet who have got their work on there. Sure, but it's not everywhere. It's not yeah. you know. So it's actually quite interesting that like the amount of old ideas that can be reused. So that's what I'm saying. So, I, the, so I shared that shot and like you know, you know, internet loved it, went crazy. Oh my god, I love that. Da, 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 da. Now. I gotta be honest with you. At that time, I was just like, okay, if you know, if this is what people are enjoying and people are drawing yeah. to, okay. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll start shooting some more of it. You know, everybody, nobody gave two shits twenty years ago, but now if people mm. people haven't seen it before. Then okay, great. And it kind of did spawn from from that just surge people wanting more of that coloured lighting thing. And I think that for me. The color lighting thing was a rebuttal against the the filters and the digital stuff that was going on because the color lighting thing can't really be done on your phone. You know, you have to do it. Yeah, in, it in camera. It's very difficult. To, you know, to a certain extent, it takes it takes a it takes a bit more skill, should mm-hmm. we say, to actually do it um, properly. So that was kind of my rebuttal to try and keep my head above the everybody else just doing the regular stuff. As well mm. as was helping to keep keep the keep my my name out there as it were so that's why i i see the filters and all that sort of thing as it's just a part of the process people can use it but whether i would have gone down the color gel route if that wasn't there like would i felt the need to Mm. you know to i gotta how can i I, how can i keep myself different how can i evolve my style and and look Mm. so that i you know i'm i'm not some guy with a with, with Photoshop, you know? yeah, you've you've sort of talked about it. Um, when we do work, workshops, you talk about the three different paths you can yeah. get. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Yes, I mean it's 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 just a case for, for me. Uh, I feel like I am see some semblance of success thanks to my photographic style, as it yeah. were. And I and I think that 
for for anybody now, whether you're creative or not, there are really you know three paths to being successful. You can either be like the cheapest at what you do, yeah. you know. So like you know, in in town we've got like a ninety nine p store opposite a one pound store, and it's always going to be I shop for deals. I know everybody else. Yeah, I'm opening the ninety eight p store yeah, very so, soon. So like we're all human. I get it. But if you can sell exactly the same product for cheaper, like you like you're going to be gonna successful. Yeah. yeah, if you can make it work, then you're going to be successful. Um, for us as artists, though, that, that that becomes very difficult, you know, mm. because there are people who are taking portraits and weddings and for free. Yeah, you can't go cheaper than free. You, yeah, so us as well creators, to the point where now, if you want to get your work in a photography magazine, you have to pay. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, so, you, know. you know, twenty years ago, where you used to be, you know, paid paid relatively well for editorial work now. It's gone so far, as you say, that you know, photographers are paying to be in the magazines. Yeah, is... like, it, I, I'm not sure if it was Vogue or, or Cosmo, like, they were talking about people getting paid £150 to do a cover. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, what? That's the cover of, I think it's it was Vogue. so, no, yeah, there is, yeah, there's hardly any money in, in editorial now. Not really, mm. you know. Mm. I mean, that, they, they may cover the cost of your shoot or something like that, but really there's, there's yeah. money in it like that. So you can either be the cheapest. Um, so you can either be the cheapest what you do, which is difficult for us as artists. Any artist is, at the moment, is, you can't be you know cheaper than free. So you can either be the best at what you do, um, which is fine for other you know for other professions, especially in sports or you know like a Formula One driver, they can go around the track faster than anybody else. You can prove that you're the best at what you do. Yeah, like there is no argument there. You and as a result, you can charge what you want. Mm-hmm. If you're, oh, I'm the best, this is, you got to pay for the best and I can prove it. Fine. Again, with artists like us, whether it be music or, or, or photography, it's very difficult to do that because it's so subjective. You yeah. Know, I can't say that my work is better than their work because it's just a matter of opinion. Yeah, you can't be the Usain Bolt of photography. Yeah. You, Even though I hear Usain Bolt's a great photographer as well. I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that. Not a clue. Oh, That's okay. just a made up thing. Right. right. Uh, <laughs> Spock was though. Was he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, avid. Um, really, Nimoy. Yeah, Nimoy. Yeah, he had a. Yeah, he's, he, I think his website's still up. Yeah, he's got like just pages and pages of black and white nudes. Really? Yeah, he did it for years. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I, I imagine they're worth worth quite a bit now. Um, so yeah, so you can either be the either be the best at what you do, um, or uh, for us as as artists, you you can just offer something different. You know. Mm. Um, so if you can't be cheaper and you can't prove that you're the best, then really the only option is to offer something different and and. For artists, whether that again be musicians, if you've got a personal style or a, or a, you know or a sound, or or for me as a, as, a, as an artist, I've got a personal style. Mm. If people want that, you you you, you got to pay for it, mm. you know. Um, but I think you know we're seeing so many young people coming up, and and they're and they're just striving to be this homogenous, very just vanilla approach to what they believe makes a perfect photograph. And correctly exposed, correct. In focus. Yeah. yeah. White balanced and all that crap. And it's just like, well, that's just done by the camera. That doesn't make, doesn't mean that you're good yeah. at being a photographer. There is, there is a distinct difference between taking a correct image and, and a good one, Yeah, you know? And, and I think that's what's going to separate um, this next generation of shooters coming along. It, it's not going to be about how technically proficient you are. It's going to be about how 
visually unique and engaging your engaging your you are yeah. yeah and it's that thing I think we like with musicians with all, all creative arts when you write down the list of things that you think make a good song and uh, or good image and then actually go collect together your favourite songs yeah none of them stick exactly. to the rules yeah, yeah. that so, you just you know, like, applied you know, when I was working with um, some of the young, young people in the studio you get people coming in from university or whatever it is and, and like you know I, I'd, I'd ask them I'd go look you know write down the five things that you think make like a great image just write them down and invariably it would always be you know, in focus correctly exposed white balance and that sort of mm. stuff and then you know I would tell them to go away and just write you know search on the internet for an hour and just find me the most phenomenal photographs you can that speak to you that you think are the best images you've ever seen in your entire life and bring them to me and I'd and I'd get the list of the five things that they thought made a great like, like a perfect photograph and yeah. showed them the images that, that they brought me and it's just like really you honestly think that these images that you've shown me these really dynamic, you know, yeah. moving images that you've shown me. Do you think any of this mattered? Do you think the fact that they're in focus makes these images good? Do you think the fact that they're correctly exposed mm. and rule of thirds and white balanced, do you think any of that set says to you about these amazing images? Is that what you think of when mm. you see No, of course it's not. It's the fact that it's got dynamic posing or, you know, rich colour or, or, you know, the shape or just anything like that. That's what's speaking to you, not the fact that they're you know, in focus is ridiculous. It's like saying a great painting involves paint. It's just madness. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. They do though, don't they? Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's definitely a thing like we, we do like, I think maybe it's when you are learning, when you like pick up a camera for the first time or you learn a guitar for the first time, like you, you, you learn your fingering on the guitar, like how you're meant to hold your wrist and all, all these things. You, like you get told that is the way to do it. But that doesn't... Um... I just don't think it doesn't translate to art because you're right, because you, you, you're passing exams. That's good technique, you know, you're yeah. passing an exam. But I think that's the idea is, is to get the technique out the way to free you up for the creativity you know like this is the thing i've i've done i went my whole career without learning scales yeah okay as a musician and now because i'm doing more commercial not commercial more corporate related work like i'm doing soundtrack work for games and uh, they need specific things from me you know someone's talking to me at the moment and a couple of the things they need might involve Dixieland jazz. Okay. And not not strictly, but I need to get a feel for a certain genre of jazz. So I'm going to have to learn the scale. I already kind of know how... how do you have to unlearn anything for that? I mean, like, are there things that are... Like, do you think that there are things that get in the way? For me, the act of learning is generally the act of unlearning. I've filled the hard drive now. It's usually going to push something else out. I, I do that, yeah. So I, I, I teenage it, memories are gone. I, I call it my uh, pint glass, yeah. It's full. <laughs> it's full. Anything That's else that goes in, something's got to come out. Something's got to come out. But that, but that idea of learning something new or, or trying to like let go of this, this preconceived idea of what makes something great. I mean, I think it was... Picasso that said it would it would take it would take you a, a year to learn to paint like Michelangelo, but it would take you a lifetime to learn to paint like a child, and that mentality of just trying to unlearn all that shit that, that that's not what makes a great yeah. that's what not what makes this unique idea of an image. How long does it take you to learn like Michael Angelo painted as a child though? <laughs> 
That's a few layers deeper, isn't it? That's another like that's yeah. You've got to clone yourself and pass on your memories to the clone. Ooh, that's that's a question for the ages. But education now is so much different now to to, to what it was when, mm. when when we were learning it. Like I think before when we were we were learning an art, as it were, it was yeah. very structured. It was like you go to you know college and university, da, 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 and then you come out and and you you were learned. Everybody was learned to a similar degree, as it were. Yeah. Um, whereas now, I think people are, you know, it's 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 everybody wants to say, oh, I'm self-taught. Like that's some badge of honor. Like I see so many photographers' websites and, and they'll say yeah. on it. Oh, I'm a self-taught photographer. Like, but are you? I, that, the other thing about that is, are you well, self-taught? You, you may be, but you're self-taught by some of the greatest photographers on the planet at the moment because yeah. they have tutorials and stuff out there. But also, like, who are you saying you're self-taught to? Like, it, there's no brain surgeon in the world that's going, "I'm self-taught." Yeah. Um, the, uh, what do you think about that? <laughs> Just like, who, that's not a good thing. To you know, <laughs> my uh, my all the electrics in my car stopped working the other day, yeah. and I self-taught myself to fix those yeah. by going on YouTube. And googling, it's, and it's, that's what I mean. Education is very. Am I self-taught, or, yeah. or did that guy yeah. who decided to upload a video, a man who works in a garage that only deal with Volkswagens, so, yeah. like I found it? So am I self-taught? Is it, or is it the fact that I'm not going to a place to learn that thing that I'm somehow self-taught? But this is, but this, but this is where I, and you're absolutely right, and this is where I have a. Uh, this is where I struggle with the modern education of younger people coming out now because it's so expensive to go to university and college. I get it; like it's almost impossible. it's like nine grand. It's all yeah, exactly. It's almost impossible for young people. To do so it. we, when we went, um, obviously we were the uh, we had one year where there were no fees. The second year we were there was the half and half, where it was the crossover well, the year, customers, right? Yeah. And then the final year was fees. But even in the final year, our fees were like three thousand three hundred. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but Going to university or something like that, where you're where you're being taught by a group of people who are perhaps, um, to some degree, at least have some qualification in their field. Like our mm. um, tutor, Paul Wenham Clark at the time, was phenomenal. Mm. But then he was he was a working working professional, and he'd gone through and learned learned the process in, in his own right. Um, but that's like that's a cur- that's a curated education. Now, when people are learning, they are. They're, they're, they're self-driven to just learn one very minute, very myopic thing. Yeah. yeah. And and they are designing that specifically for them. They're not being taught outside. Like I learned textiles and ceramics and graphic design and fine art and mm. like all those things. And I believe that all of that enables me to do the art that I do now. Mm-hmm. But there are younger people now who are not being taught all of that because it's not what they want to learn. I just want to learn color gel photography. I just want to learn HDR. I just want yeah. to, so it's a very it's a very linear path to art now. And you can get to the top. You can take phenomenal gelled images in like six months. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't have this like there's not this curated education that I think that we had before. Yeah. Um, and I wonder what that what that's going to mean really mm. I, I suppose it's this this thing of uh, the flexibility of it all like I, I know plenty of musicians who you could put them in any situation and um, they'll be fine they'll be able to adapt and adjust because they've had experience such a wide experience but because then, of that wide experience, <clears throat> yeah, and, and that's and that's the difference between jazz or sheet sheet music. It's just like there are people who can follow sheet music, and there are people who can yeah. do the jazz, you know. And that's like really, you know, who's better? It really, like, well, this yeah. person can, like, that's phenomenal. Oh, because this guy is yeah. improvisational and all that. He his 
the greater musician, but because this lady can play a concerto exactly sight that's, that's that she's never the, heard. Exactly, that's seen as being far more professional. Mm. That person who can follow the sheet music, and I was like, I it's this weird thing. Like this is off the point, but uh, Dudley off the point. I can't believe it. I know Dudley Moore um, <laughs> was a great musician. Okay, it's not a thing, but he wrote. Uh, I think it was a concerto uh, for a quartet um, at university, and he just wrote it on paper. He never heard it, okay. and he handed it in. He got his first, and he went on to be Dudley Moore. Okay, I know. I think it was Dudley Moore. Yes, it was Dudley Moore. <laughs> um, he didn't actually hear it until he was older, till forty, fifty years later. So when weird. when the BBC found it because it was filed away at Oxford or Cambridge, whichever one he went to, um, and yeah, they got musicians together to play it for him, and that to me is bizarre. This idea that you can create a thing in your brain and maybe just write it down, but never yeah, I don't know it how never I, exists yeah. outside your brain until forty yeah, that, fifty years later. Yeah, that is, that is kind of bizarre, yeah. But it's still yeah. there. It's still that same piece of art. It's still that thing. Yeah. But I always... Just on that note, I doubt in 50 years' time that we'll be able to access any of the uh, students' files that are that are given in today. No. At least on the only... piece of paper that was handed in, you can still do that. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's a tangent. We're, we're talking about... Um, yes, that's, that is a big tangent right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's amazing to me. But it also makes me wonder about the context of, of art. And do I think that piece of music's better because of the story that comes with it? The fact that Dudley Moore never heard it. The fact that, you know, he got to hear it before he died. He got to... I think he was... On getting quite close to dying at the time. He was definitely older. He was definitely not... He was infirm as mm. such. Yeah. So does that add to it, that, that beautiful idea of something he birthed in the world, getting to finally hear it so long afterwards, add to it, you know? Which is odd. But yeah, we could end here, I think. How long have we been going? Uh, an hour and ten. Oh, okay. That's a bit over a journey. Okay. Some people won't hear this bit. Uh, they will wow. have finished. Wow. They will have got off the tube or the train or... To hell with those guys. ...out of their car and they'll already be in their house with their feet up um, with a pipe, probably. I assume there's a lot of pipe smokers <laughs> in the audience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with with their dinner. As traditionally English as we are. Well, bangers and mash for tea. That's it. Obviously. I've been watching a lot of Buffy. And yeah, you've mentioned it a lot recently. Yeah, because... Hey. So, yeah, that thing about Dudley Moore is true, but all the details are wrong, as far as I can remember. I don't know if it was a BBC documentary or a Channel 4 documentary. I don't know if it was a concerto. I'm pretty sure it was a concerto. Doing a bit of Googling afterwards, I cannot find the documentary. I promise you the story is true, but... I cannot find anything to point you all to. Um, Also, I'm never going to tell you what I was going to say about Buffy at the end there. I faded it out deliberately to leave the Buffy cliffhanger hanging in your mind so you can be thinking about what what was Dan going to say about Buffy. The honest truth is I just rambled on for another five minutes about bangers and mash. 
But um, yeah, but I genuinely hope you enjoyed that. Jake and me obviously have known each other a very long time, and I'm glad we managed to have an interesting conversation rather than the usual us two talking in circles about video games and some of the people we play video games with. I don't usually do these so short, but I'm going to have to cut this one short. My throat is uh, all over the place today. I've actually taken maybe an hour to record this because I keep having to go off and drink beverages and gargle. There was some gargling, which I didn't think uh, gargling would be something you wanted to hear. But before I go, again, patreon.com forward slash Danasak if you want to keep this podcast coming. And don't forget to check out Jake's website, jakehicksphotography.com, if you want to see more of his work. Some of his newer stuff, the projector-based stuff, is intriguing, to say the least. So hopefully you'll, you'll find some joy over there. Thank you all in advance for spreading the good word on my behalf. It means more than you could ever possibly know. And I'll be back in two weeks. You'll notice I haven't said the guest. I know who it is. But I haven't recorded it yet, so I don't want to say it and and, uh, and jinx myself and it not happen. Anyway, rambly garbage aside, I'll see you in two weeks and genuinely hope you enjoyed the show. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tapiphone.